0: you've reached the Owls AmeriCast. We're not here right now to take your call. Wait, wait, wait,
1: Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. No, you've got to do the full SEO-friendly title. I've told you about this. No one's Get gonna, the full title no in there. No one's going
0: to web search for our voicemail message, Patty.
1: It's very oh. important. I'm an SEO specialist. You have to have the full Welcome to Owls AmeriCast.
2: Blah, 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 blah. Need it in there. Oh, for f- uh, All right, guys. It's Evan. Um but- I just wanted to give you a call, let you know I'm not going to make it tonight. I'm not feeling very well. I have a fever and um, you know, just coughing, sneezing, etc. So, uh, not going to make it, but but hope you have a, <coughs> no, a good pod without me and uh, up the owls. All right. Fireball, please. All right, you boys ready? Oh, shit.
0: Hello, I hope you are out of whatever three-day coma the Sheffield Wednesday Reading game put you in, and you are ready for another episode of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent, I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. We're down a man this week as uh, one Evan Skilter is mysteriously ill and called out late for this edition. We do have the full cast of expats this week, and we'll start with Patty. Patty, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, Double espresso, Jeff. I am uh, super hyped. I am ready to go. Double espresso in the water. Let's do this.
0: Got some sort of imperial stout brewed with espresso beans?
1: And I just double espresso, coffee, 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 coffee.
0: We also have James Allen. James, what are you drinking? I had a had a really nice uh,
3: plum goza lined up for tonight's episode, and then somebody on a an unnamed <laughs> podcast jumped ahead of me and uh, and stole my thunder. So I had oh, to the improvise. The strip, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you do? Uh, so the I to, is I, the greatest boo. How do you're on fire tonight? You can't hold back. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, so, what am I drinking, Jeff? I'm uh, I'm drinking a um, an American stout from uh, from a new brewery that's just opened around the corner from me called Fifth Hammer, and it's called Flavor Gravy, which I think is an absolutely cracking name for a beer. Um, and it's actually a really really nice stout as well. It's not an imperial. It's just uh, just kind of punchy and uh, and flavourful. So uh, so yeah, I'm enjoying that. And then there's about twelve other beers that they've uh, they've just released, which I need to go back and try. So that will keep me busy for the week. Flavor Gravy. That sounds disgusting. I'm sorry. Yeah, it it sounds like
1: flavor. something like sound like something the porn person would describe a yeah. yeah, it's yeah,
4: like some of my flavour gravy. It's like gentleman's relish.
0: <laughs> you guys just like <laughs> making more editing work for me, don't you? <laughs> As you can tell, also with us this week is Paul Owen. Paul, what are you drinking?
4: Uh, gentleman's relish? No, I'm not. I'm drinking a. Um, it's actually a Belgian beer called Sutra, and it's a dry hop sour pale. I was so enticed by the can. Um it's very beautiful that I failed to notice I'd spent six dollars ninety-nine cents on one can of beer. That's um, quite cheap, Paul. You, you're right, you could you could have invested more there. God damn, seven dollars for a beer. But anyway, you that's what
3: I'm thinking James.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm drinking another of Down East's unfiltered ciders. This is their winter blend which is aged on toasted oak chips and cinnamon bark. It's quite pleasant. Ooh, I like that. That's, that sounds good. That's quite smart. Do like cider. Less pleasant is the Sheffield Wednesday Reading game from this past weekend, which we will recap now briefly, hopefully. A lot of changes in the squad. Third game in a week. But, James, there was not much change on the pitch outside of the squad numbers
3: we really have to talk about this game jeff can't we just simply draw a line under it and say that nothing happened and therefore there's nothing to uh, to discuss no no there was no change it was uh, i mean six six you know pretty fundamental changes to the squad and i guess everybody who had been arguing that we should we should maybe you know change up the both the formation and also the personnel got their wish um it didn't have any impact whatsoever on the performance um what i could see of the performance because i follow was uh, was sort of buffering and stalling madly on Saturday morning for me. Um, that but was it just the actually match turned games. out that, that was just the game. That was just what was going on. I mean, they, Reading were a an incredibly boring side that ground out results last year. We weren't much better and probably didn't grind out the results quite as effectively as them. They've stepped backwards this year and they, they've had you know really really poor start to the season. They play fairly dull, uh, you know, passing football at the back. They're not that penetrative. They don't play with a lot of pace. They rely a lot on on a fairly obvious form, formulation and it turns out that we do exactly the same thing and the two sides just seem to cancel each other out. It was coming off the back of such disappointing games, you know, the previous two, um, there was just nothing, nothing different about that performance. It was the same formulaic play from Wednesday, the same slow build-up, lack of penetration, lack of balls into the box, lack of shots. Um, so yeah, um, no, no change despite all those changes.
0: I was on social media duty again for this game, and I gotta say it does start to really sour your mood when you have to come up with commentary on these games. But I did—I yeah, don't I thought know. Should,
1: huh? Sorry, I feel we should uh, like really kind of change the rotation on, on social media duties because it's like a—it's like a penance going into <laughs> there. You go in there, you you, you 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 like consume all this negativity, and you have to try and stay positive. I suppose as, as being like someone that runs a podcast and runs a Twitter handle. It's hard just to keep positive during these times. So I feel you, Jeff.
0: There was a I good tweet somewhere in the timeline. I don't remember who it was from, so I apologize for not being able to properly credit it. The basically said, we finally have a squad deep enough that we can play, uh, we can rotate the squad and play the exact same way. Unfortunately, like, we're playing the exact same way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think Carlos used to say that he couldn't rotate too much because uh, the style of play hasn't got through to the squad. So you're right. No, it's got through the squad, but
0: unfortunately, that's a no, we thing. have a full eighteen that can play the exact same boring, <laughs> dire football.
3: Well, it does. It does answer the question, doesn't it, in terms of where where the causality perhaps is in these in these performances? Because on face value, if you take out six players and replace them with six completely different players, you should get a slightly different just style of play, energy, um, you know, pers- personal interventions. Um, and it turns out that it, we almost seem to have a team of eighteen robots who are, who are executing a game plan that. Out with it. It doesn't seem to be a very inspiring game plan, um, because you know when you put Zhao back into the team and you take out Hooper, you should get a very, very different, uh, you know, probably a slightly more cavalier approach up front and, and less linkage with midfield. But it stays with the same stodgy, moving the ball around slowly and, uh, and and letting the opposition flood the box.
0: I will say the best performance this week at S6 was whoever found seven minutes to fill the extended highlights video on YouTube. You actually watched that joke? I did not. I literally just checked to see how long it was to make that joke.
1: Yeah, I watched it. It was uh, it wasn't seven minutes worth. They really padded that it out. It's like one of our um, podcast episodes.
0: Mm. And Paul, you got to uh, introduce a future family member to the team through this game.
4: Yeah, that went really well. Um, I, I was in Chicago with uh, my. My girlfriend's family and I've been obviously talking to a you know, potential father-in-law about the game and my team and my passion it's a big part of who I am and he's been intrigued so this was that first chance I pulled my shirt on it was 9 o'clock in the morning and I'd hooked up iFollow to his big TV and you left the room on 20 minutes
3: Was so, that because you uh, you executed the question about whether or not he would be a potential father-in-law? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, it was fair. just embarrassing, you know. It was just awful. It was just terrible. You know, I'm sat there with my shirt on, having been talking to him for years about this uh, this rising rising phenomena that is Sheffield Wednesday, and then just to be faced with Reading, you know, was just was just abysmal. I'm afraid.
1: Yeah, well, my father-in-law is uh, ten years into our relationship, so he lasted uh, all of one minute into the game because he's seen this shit before. <laughs> 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 I, was, I was also my in laws at uh, South Carolina. Um, sorry. Unfortunately, for my brother in law, he seems to be completely suckered in and he's now a proper Sheffield Wednesday fan. He comes to some meetups and everything now. Uh, he stuck with me for the Ipswich game at a bar uh, and stuck through that. But again, uh, left. That's a four goal second half, Patty. I mean, yeah, it wasn't bad. But I mean, the first half was pretty dire. Mm. And. And thankfully, Josh now knows the legend of Ati Nuihu, too, so that's the...
3: Oh, no, let, let's not important. start applying plaudits to that gangly <laughs> The legend of Ati
0: Nihu. What are you on about? Uh. I think one of the other things that got cut from last week's unrecorded first half was me waxing poetic about all the late goals he scored for us. Not recently, obviously, he hasn't scored in 18 months, but it is a thing, James. It was a thing. Listen, we shouldn't
3: re-prosecute <laughs> the Ipswich game. Let's uh, let's stick with Reading. Uh, there must have been something uh, that I missed in one of those buffering episodes that was worth commenting on. Uh,
0: how about Joao's shot on goal, Paddy?
3: <laughs> God, you may me swear. Then
0: that wasn't
1: a shot on goal. It was. Uh, it wasn't even a pass back. It was terrible. I mean, Joao is one of those players that has no control over his feet or the, the whole of his bottom half. Basically, it's like Danny Welbeck in the fact that. He's, he doesn't know what his feet is going to do next. I think he's possessed by the undead Michael Flatley. He looks like he's doing some kind of river dance. Uh, he doesn't know where he's going to go left or right or forward or up or left. He just doesn't know. And in some cases, that's good because the defense doesn't know either. But in most cases, it just turns out to be a dreadful pass or he loses the ball between his legs and he gets tackled. It just, it's one of the worst performances in a Wednesday shirt I've seen this season. And I've seen Glenn Leuvens play a handful of games this season, so that's saying something.
0: I, I said last week I didn't remember anything from the Bristol City game, which was true. Uh, but I, did, I was uh, reminded by Zhao's performance in uh, the Reading game that he did come out as a sub in Bristol City and was absolutely shocking to the point that he got dropped from the squad for the midweek game. But I'm going to defend him a little bit here. Um, I know he the performance was awful let 's be clear um, it at least seemed like he was trying, which I think is not something you can necessarily associate with the rest of the squad at this point.
1: yeah, I even that
4: but I mean I think, I think it's a good point though because that was one of the comments you know i I watched the game back um just looking for something to talk about, and the most interesting observation for me was not when the ball was in play but when it was out of play so setting up for set pieces you know dead ball situations just looking at the kind of the lethargy in, in our players and no one's talking no one's taking that time to kind of regroup no one's jogging back you know everyone's walking hands are on the hips on the knees you know it's just it was just shocking you know the, the level of energy was was just really bad and for me that was a sign that you know your manager's just lost losing your team. You know, like like someone just said, you know, you switch six players out, you'd think you'd get a different energy, but there isn't any different energy. So I think that was a real real marker for me of something, you know, a little bit more sort of insipid at play here uh, in terms of spirit amongst the squad.
0: So we look at the situation as it stands as we head into December, a crowded fixture schedule. The transfer window coming up in January. James, where are
3: we? <laughs> We're mid table and going nowhere fast, right? I mean yeah I I think it's kinda of, it picks up on what Paul's just saying. You know, we, we are as a fan base exactly probably where the team is, which is which we, we run out of energy. I mean it's it, it it is a slog at the moment to talk about Wednesday. It's a slog to watch Wednesday. Um, and you know that's just so far away from from what we what we hoped what we expected what we probably demanded was going to happen this season and and frankly where you know where the where the trajectory was set for the club so you know where we are is we're, we're bang average i mean the the performance against reading was just simply cancelling out nullifying them in carlos's own words we went there in order to stop them playing and to to make sure we withstood the reading onslaught it's the team that's in the bottom you know virtually in the bottom three it's just you know it's average expectations delivering average results and i think you know some of the stats that are coming out around that just bear that out i mean you look at our points we are in the right place in the table because on the average game you know i think something like we're you know on an expected goals basis we're we're scoring about 1.4 goals per game. We're conceding about 1.3 goals per game. We are literally the draw specialists now of the championship. And if you're a draw specialist in the championship, you stay in mid-table. And that's, that's what the first half of the season is is rapidly descending into um, and probably where we can expect the rest of the season to go into unless we have some fundamental shake-up, um, whether it's in the playing staff, whether it's in the management Um, You know, we can talk about that, but something has to change. Otherwise, this just becomes a very, very insipid season. Did Carlos really say that thing about trying to stop Reading play? That was the tactic in the first half, stop Reading play. I mean, I I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of that in the first half, we set up in order to frustrate Reading and to to stay in the game. And in the second half, we played with more adventure to try and win the game.
0: I mean, it was the team that went to a playoff final last year. But yeah, but by, by throttling a game. So,
1: Reading's plan is to throttle and bore the opposition. They don't come at you. They don't attack you in waves. They pass it around like we do in the back four until you're fed up and you lose concentration. So, to go to uh, away to Reading and say, we're going to try and stop them playing, what the fuck? That's not that's not a tactic. They, they don't do that. They don't come at you. You can't say, oh, we'll just try and close them down. they just the most boring, um, monotone kind of just one-paced team that rely on you making a mistake. And that's what their tactics have been for the past two seasons. So it's just really short-sighted, I think, of Carlos to say,
3: uh, we're coming to stop them playing. They don't play football, already. You can't stop someone that do not play football. But isn't yeah, that know. exactly the problem, though, that we're now becoming that same side? Or maybe we're, sorry, becoming, we've become. And, and actually, you know, all links back to what Paul was saying about the energy levels, I think it's a really interesting observation when you look at the body language and the way that they react in certain situations in the games. You know, we're going through the motions. These players aren't fully engaged with what they're doing. They're not fired up. They don't, you know, they're not playing with the passion and the drive that they'd be be doing if they're, you know, excited about going to work. They're 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 just there to to execute something which it doesn't feel like they believe in. And if that plan is to fr- frustrate a holding team, then you can hardly blame them. Yeah, imagine being the players told, to, "Oh, let's just contain Reading's attacking flair this time,
1: shall we, yeah. guys?" Look what the fuck you on about! They're attacking
4: flair. I know. I think the first half strategy was to sit back and uh, play long balls to Jow. I mean, what the hell? We, that's just not what we do. And if you are going to use that that strategy, that's because the team is coming at you. You know, like like a rabid dog. <laughs> that's not Reading. You know, you don't use that, that that strategy. You don't set up like that against Reading. It's just nonsense.
0: Well, we head back to Hillsborough this week and. The club has sent out Lee Bullen to try to... Right above the seven-minute extended highlights video on YouTube is a video of Lee Bullen trying to rally the fans to the cause this weekend. What do we think of that?
1: It was such a cliched video. I just... That's his rallying call. God help us. And that's why it explains why the the players are so... um, uh, nonplussed if they've got Carlos and Bully giving rallying calls as as poor as that it was just cliche after cliche it was like oh we know that the fans sometimes need us to play to get us, to get them on their feet um, but this time we really need them to uh, give us that 12th man
3: at Hillsborough I'm like oh my god just stop it stop it well it, and it just does it doesn't come this way around right You don't, you don't suddenly get this about turn reaction in the fan base and from the players through a pre-recorded video at Middlewood Road. You know, I, I've got a huge amount of respect for Ebel and and everything he's done for the club. And and if someone can fire people up in in a certain instance, I'm sure it's him. But but doing it in sort of a flat promotional manner is it, it's kind of it's a little bit insulting to all of us as fans who can see frankly what's going on. The only way you're going to fire up the team is by changing the way that team is playing and, and getting a reaction out of the players, which gets a reaction out of the fans, and that changes the entire mentality around the club. And, you know, the fun, the real question that we've got to answer is can Carlos instill that now? Because he seems so wedded to his, his approach and uh, with the insistence that his, you know, kind of a, a long-term approach to the game, whether it's going to... I'm beginning to wonder if it's, you know, play a slow first half in order to win the game in the second half. He seems to be playing the same way with our season. You know, he, he's switching... Far too many people off around this football club at the moment, and Lebel and on a pre-recorded video isn't going to change that.
0: I think it was an interesting contrast between that and sort of Carlos's message to the fans before the playoff games, which seemed more genuine, spontaneous, and off the cuff. Obviously, the team was doing better at the time, so I think that plays into it. But I remember watching that, you know, that same YouTube video as just sort of an aside in his press conference. Like and, like I was ready to run through a brick wall for the team i just i don 't get that anymore
3: i don 't get it from him and i don 't get it from the players you know with with maybe a couple of honorable exceptions you know where you can really see them putting in a shift but even even those players, like Bannon, for example, who's you know you can see the effort he's putting in game to game it, it still doesn't look like he's fundamentally enjoying himself or that he's you know he's rousing the rest of the team on or trying to drag them with him he's you know he's doing his best in the circumstances but it's almost like a solo effort and you know again it's it's got to be genuine you know um and i think the the thing that, that that is just so worrying is is when you look at the core of this squad you look at the core of these performances we don 't look switched on at the back, so we 've not got the solidity we need in order to dig out results while we we go through that tr- transition where you know you go back to the conversation we had last week, Jeff, about the Ipswich game you know the the quality of defending for those goals was appalling and and we have every reason to fear that that will creep back in certainly against some of the better sides and, and We are so ponderous going forward that you know it, it just it, there's there 's very little hope of us suddenly turning on this attacking flair. Um, that we have seen in patches, but but it seems to be very very unpredictable in the squad. So I, I don't know where that genuine passion is, but it needs to be found and needs to be found as soon as Saturday, and and then somehow can conveyed in a way that actually sticks with the squad as we go through the uh, the December period.
0: There does seem to be one option at least to improve the atmosphere on the ground. They're putting in a new bar called the Wednesday Tap. Where? <laughs> <Pretty laughs> Brilliant. It's going to be in the
4: Sheridan suite. It's not going to
0: be in the Sheridan. It's going to replace the Sheridan 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 suite.
3: suite, So everybody who was worried about the temperature of the chips, (laughs) a.k.a. French fries, American listeners, uh, in the Sheridan suite, fear no more because now there's no chips, but there's a lot of beer. That's fantastic.
1: Wait, so the Sheridan suite is that place where you could go spend 15 quid and get some pie and peas beforehand, right? And a program. I used to like that place. I mean, it was pretty dead, but I mean, it was nice. My dad used to love it. So they just turn that into all yeah, no, you it's get like beer open to open open to everybody for beer. Yeah,
0: it opened. I think it's, what is it was say twelve pm to twelve pm to eleven pm on all match days.
3: Oh wow, it's going to be uh, yeah. yeah it's a a, nice you this, the I think it's actually yeah, seven Patty. days a week as well. It's like yeah, Wednesday's yeah. permanent pub.
1: I need to look into this, don't I? That sounds pretty cool. It sort sounds like a good place to play games to go there the too,
0: then.
3: Yeah, why yeah. why ever venture yeah. into the ground? Why not? Just, uh, presumably they'll have a screen. You can just stay safely in the tap and uh, and drink your sorrows away. I hope still the pie and peas because they were bloody good. Those pie and peas. <laughs> <No opinion> <laughs> <by> <laughs>
1: and peas. <laughs> that was such an awesome opinion. We're like, wow, really? Wow. Just how good? How good were the pie and peas, Paddy? Relative. I mean, it's hard for me to describe
0: in an audio format, so I'll just go, mmm, really good. <laughs> is that also your reaction paddy to the possibility of uh gary megson coming in to save the day <laughs> no <laughs> west brom do, I mean, like un, yeah undefeated as west brom manager there's only been in two games yeah and he's been replaced by alan pardew
1: <laughs> yeah i mean the only way is up from alan pardew surely uh they, they can the baggies can uh boing all the way and uh Sing about Megomania. I'm sure it'll be short, short lived. But uh, to be fair, I ain't I got nothing against Mego. Uh, wish him all the best, bless him. And it was pretty funny to hear guy Megson's name being chanted around Wembley the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I, did
4: we- I, did a, I did. a bit of research actually because I was curious because in my 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 kind of memory, uh, Megson was a bit of a failure. But look, you know, when he, when, he, when he was manager for us. But um, actually, looking, I looked on Wikipedia. Um, and the statistics is that he he joined on the 4th of February 2011, uh, sacked on the 29th of February 2012, so like virtually one year. Uh, at that time of his sacking, he had the third best win percentage of any manager in Sheffield Wednesday's history. Maybe that's now fourth because of Carlos. Um, and his last result before being sacked was that, was the 1-0 victory over United in the derby. So it, my memory was that he wasn't great, but... Statistically, he was. Uh, I, you know, I don't really want him back, but
0: it's just interesting.
3: Yeah, careful, Paul. You sound like pretty yeah. much everybody know, might quit the feed. The it last was few days, it not a it's particularly been...
0: attractive brand of football, which I know, right, isn't saying much about what we're playing right it, now. It but... wasn't
3: just. Another attractive form. I mean, it was fairly agricultural, right, Jeff? Yeah. But he also tactically, like you know, you know, we, we, maybe we're up too far in the extreme of kind of Uber tactics going on from Carlos, although so Uber that we don't seem to be able to move out of one tactical mode. I'm not sure Mego had any any tactics other than just kick the damn thing forward and hoof and chase it. I mean, it was, yeah, it, it, there was nothing aloof about his style. I, I think that's just the thing that frustrates me: you, good record or no. You don't go back to go forwards. You know how many times a manager's gone back into clubs and, and had it better the second time around. It, it it's kind of it's whimsical from fans. It's easy, but it's not the answer. At least not in my opinion. No,
4: I, I would absolutely have,
3: agree. Yeah, I'd stick with Carlos. Even though I want Carlos out, I'd rather have Carlos in
1: than have a guy like him back. Because I mean, you can criticize the style of play right now with Carlos, but we know that he's, his his style of play used to be good. So what, whether he's, why he's changed to this, to this new kind of negative uh, um, strategy, I have no idea. But we know it's, we've got it in us to play good football. Uh, Megson has not got it in him to play good football. That's not what he's been brought up to do. It's about grinding results out. It's about being tough in defence. And it's all shouting and bluster on the touchlines, which fans love for some strange reason. Uh, and that's how you get results and, loved, and be loved by the fans. But it's not necessarily how you get into the Premier League.
0: And with that, we'll take a break. We come back. We'll talk to another of our American Owls. Head off to the great American Midwest with Andrew Weitzer. I'm out of the hot seat this week and into a more comfortable chair doing my usual interviewing of this week's American Owl. We head out to Indianapolis. Andrew, how did you become a Wednesdayite?
5: Well, first I wanted to give a huge thank you to you guys for setting this all up. Uh, I felt like I was the only one out there that supported this club, and it's good to know that uh, you guys are out there as well. Um, but and then I want to share what I'm drinking as well, because I know you guys like to do that. Uh, I'm, yeah. Green, I'm drinking a Line Kugels 150th Anniversary Lager. And the cool thing about Line Kugels is a brewery in Wisconsin where I grew up. And it was also founded in 1867, so it's also celebrating its 150th anniversary.
0: Wait, so. what's the name of this brewery? Line and Kugels. Limey Kugels. No, you, Kugels. you only know them from the Shandies.
5: Yeah, yeah. So I think all, 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 you guys are. The, the summer shandy you, is like the most popular one that's in the summertime. You call me a shandy drinker, Jeff. That's fighting talk from the north. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a cool thing that I. Another thing that ties me to the club as well, just a little fun trivia thing. But, um, so to elaborate on how I became a Wednesday fan, first, uh, when I started, when I was growing up in Wisconsin, I played, played soccer, uh, didn't really. Fall in love with the game then, um, grew grew up in Wisconsin and I once I got to college, um, once the World Cup came uh, that year I think it was my, maybe my sophomore year in college it was the World Cup team where we, we had a group of death and uh, the group with Cristiano Ronaldo and all those guys and it was a really fun time watching that I had never really really cared about the outcome of soccer matches before that time and. Yeah, it was it was awesome to see them get out, but unfortunately they lost in that semi in the, in the quarterfinal. I think it was a Belgium. I don't remember quite well. So it was 2014, right? Yeah, I think it was 2014. I think it was, yeah, that was the, the Belgium
1: match. We were yeah. lucky to lose that. I remember watching the Barcelona.
5: Yeah, so that's that was like the first time I actually cared about uh, soccer really that much at all. And so my senior in college, I went to school in Chicago, Illinois, uh, at DePaul University. And my senior year, me and my uh, my three other roommates lived on Sheffield Avenue uh, in Lincoln Park. And uh, between the three of us, we try, we're trying to figure out a day where all of us could you know, get together and drink together. And we decided it was going to be on Wednesday nights. Um, one of my roommates uh, had some things to do on the weekend. And everyone said, just said to do Wednesday nights. And that year was the year that Leicester City made their huge run, which caught my eye. And I decided to really start doing some research on the game. And I wanted a team to follow. And I didn't really know a lot about English soccer, so I did a bunch of research. And, you know, amazingly, there's a a club called Sheffield Wednesday, which is is perfect. Uh, They live on Sheffield Avenue in Chicago. And on Wednesday nights, me and my roommates would just get absolutely trashed.
3: Uh, hold, on, hold on, Andrew. So, so it sounds like you had an incredibly lucky escape. The, uh, the, absolutely. the connection you made was that you lived on Sheffield Avenue, and you found a UK soccer team that began with the word Sheffield. Is that right?
5: Pretty much. Yep, pretty much.
3: So so yeah. the obvious question is, how did you choose the right team?
5: They
0: were well, drinking, the, so it because uh, on you know, Wednesday nights. You know, 150 um, years after we formed a cricket club, he formed a drinking club. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful.
5: And, and that, was your, way... that
0: was your process of selection.
3: You, you actually actively eliminated the dirty half of the city on that basis.
5: Well, it's funny, too, because if I would've, we would have chose any other day besides Wednesday night, you know, it would, I would have been a Sheffield Night fan. So good thing uh, it was on Wednesday nights.
1: I want to know if you're also a Lincoln Park fan, if you're also Lincoln Park Chicago.
5: <laughs> I mean, I think they get some good music, but... Uh, <laughs> um, but no, it's just a just place. Uh, just is the Lincoln City, city even in the
0: football league or are they back down in the conference again? Well, Lincoln City
1: uh, in the football league.
0: They are they in city.
1: League Two. Uh, don't challenge me on that. I think they're in League Two. So you could have been a Lincoln City fan too but, uh, uh, I, other than the
5: Fred Durst I wouldn't fan, have done so. that much research on that. I, <laughs> I, I honestly probably wouldn't have gone past league, league oh, the, the professional league so I wouldn't have gone past League Two if I were to follow someone but yeah nice. it's a it's it's a, it's a funny story. I mean what, what are the chances? and that's kind of what I was thinking, and I think what you guys were talking about last week when when Evan was talking about you know like when you, you're in, when you're in the states and you've got to choose a team it's you're, since you're not having any emotional attachment to your region or where you're from, uh that's you know, you know I'm not from you know England or you know Sheffield, so it's kind of hard to pick a team, and then you just you're looking for anything to tie tie you to to a place. And it's the funny story about what is this Bolton Wanderers fan with the Lion King? That was pretty funny.
3: I think it was almost as funny yeah. as Evan's rendition of uh, <laughs> uh, In the Jungle or whatever it was that he was, he was seeing last week. So, right. uh, so, Andrew, having made this kind of, you know, obviously exceptionally well-researched and a uh, very, very carefully thought out choice to become a Wednesdayite, um, how, how did you consummate the relationship? Did you... Uh, you know, what, what was the first game that you decided to actually watch, and, and oh, how, did, how did can your fandom take off from there?
5: Yeah, so I started to become a fan later in the school year, so it was around playoff time. And I think the week before I, be, I officially found the club and decided to follow the team, it was the, uh, match, the first leg against Brighton at home at Hillsborough. And uh, I remember waking up really early, going to Walgreens, getting some good old Guinness, because I thought that was what's what I would do, and I decided to, look, to find a really bad stream, my computer, and uh, and just sit down and watch it. And you know what a game that was. Uh, the first, I think I remember the first kind of goal when Forestieri had that, um, had the had the goal at half court, but it was had to end up being offsides. I would just went crazy. Uh, yeah, but... so did we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing because I love the fact that as a new fan,
1: you said it started around playoff time. Now playoff time for us didn't really make a, make a damn until like two or three years ago. Playoff time didn't exist. I know. So like, oh, the thing that happened in the, the year we're not involved in, great.
5: Yeah, I, I definitely am really fortunate since considering that I've you know the past two years have been you know good comparatively to you know everyone else who be a better fan forever. That's a good time to
1: join. Um, the The atmosphere is great. Obviously, you got to witness. So do you manage to uh, drag any of your friends into this? The atmosphere too, is was? great, oh, no. Paddy. Have
0: you listened to the last seven episodes of the <laughs> show?
3: <laughs> the atmosphere was great. I think is what Paddy meant.
5: Yeah, the, my my other roommates, I try to get them into it, but uh, they're they're not as keen on them, the sport, unfortunately. And that's the, that's a the kind of sad truth about here and sometimes the states. Some people are just not really uh, really into it.
1: So it's just yourself. Just you, yeah, you, myself. You know, uh, that's, that's awesome so it's even more really kind of an effort if it's just a kind of lone pursuit but you have said you have written a blog on our site uh that you are willing to start an indianapolis owls if there's yeah. other owls out there so um have you have you
5: got like a bar you go watch other soccer games or any, any kind of sports bar you go to in indianapolis yet in indianapolis uh i'm not really a fan of any other team in indianapolis i know the indy 11 are here but i've been to a couple matches. Um, can't really, I can't really get into like lower-tier lower like, lower teams. And I, since I'm not from India, it's hard to meet, for me to actually root for anyone. Actually, it's a funny thing, actually, that um, when I was in Chicago, I almost became, became a Fire fan, almost. But because I'm from Wisconsin, my deep roots basically forbid me to like root for any Chicago team. Makes sense, makes sense. It's also a narrow escape. Yeah, a <laughs> narrow escape, I know. Uh, Evan probably wouldn't like that either. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Have you tried explaining to your roommates that this just means they can drink at ten in the morning, since that seems to be a real draw here? <laughs> you no, know that
5: next time I see them, you know, because we're we're like two years out of college. Uh, when I go down to Chicago, maybe I'll try again. Put that. Put that. Put, put that by them. We'll also, try and make a Chicago
1: owl. There's, there's interest in Chicago from a few people. We had Chris calling to the voicemail the other day, uh, and he's trying to get something sorted. But uh, yeah, you should start both an Indianapolis owls and a Chicago owls.
5: Yeah, we'll just see how that works. <laughs> midwest uh, owls. <laughs> midwest owls just created dynasty kingdom over here.
3: I got to admit it, though, If it's Midwest Owls would that include Ohio? <laughs> uh,
0: th- Drive, uh it's a point of some dispute whether Ohio is the Midwest or Mid-Atlantic, so
3: well, it's kind of like the equivalent of the uh, the argument about where north and south is in the UK, right? Like from our perspective, north is yeah, it's pr- pretty clearly defined, but for, for soft southerners it's pretty much anywhere north of London. Um midwest the Midwest line is, is kind of a similar dispute, right, in the US. So yeah, right. you and Evan could get into a bit of a battle royale, uh, Andrew, in terms of who actually controls the, the sort of the Wednesday fan base somewhere between, I don't know, Cleveland and uh, and somewhere further west that I can't think of.
5: Right. Uh I don't know, maybe sometime I'll uh if 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 Evan would love to have me, maybe drive to Columbus sometime and I don't know, do something
1: uh, By the way, I do actually know someone in Indianapolis who's a Wednesday fan um, uh, my good friend Brandon, who's a New okay. York owl uh, his twin brother uh, is in Indianapolis, he moved there about a few months ago so I'm going to put you in touch together because I'm sure he'll be up for a game uh,
5: Perfect, my uh, my inbox at the Indianapolis Owls at gmail.com is very lonely so uh, I'd like to get some <laughs> <to> that one <laughs>
1: Uh, I'll, put you in, I'll put you in touch his name is Matt he's uh, Brendan's Brendan's twin brother so he's basically the
3: uh, exact same replica as Brendan
1: you've got it in is New kind York of here, uncanny
3: so. yeah it's, it's scary we'll, we'll probably need to post a picture of Brendan and his brother <laughs> yeah. now because for anybody listening that wasn't the most visually appealing description that I've ever heard he looks yeah. a bit like Brendan that's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of and uh we will uh, will happily kind of give you a bit, give you a bit of promotion so that anybody can send you an email to indianapolis else
5: perfect yeah i mean i put my email on on uh, my article that i wrote and uh i thought that I'd at least get a couple but no still uh, still the line's still out there
0: i feel like so, indianapolis so... is like fairly big like a big like work conference center kind of oh city. yeah I, so you yeah, yeah. probably get people passing through too definitely so I guess we'll end with this. So you came in at the sort of the peak of the Carlos era, the, the heights of our recent history. Uh, how are you dealing with the season so far? Um, I'm actually doing
5: okay. Uh, being from Wisconsin, uh, I kind of know that both of the, the, both of the edges of being really bad and being really good. Um, and so, I'm actually I'm not I'm not doing that bad. I'm very good at dealing with disappointment when it comes to sports, uh, as I'm a Bucks fan and uh, Brewers fan. But this this team is is really interesting because it seems like they have the talent to to you know get in the playoffs and maybe even challenge for promotion. But it just seems like something's missing, and I honestly think it's just Fessy. And I honestly think that he he is the missing piece of this this puzzle, and he's proven that over the past two years. He just takes so much pressure off everyone else he takes so much um, attention from the uh, the opposing side's defense and he just opens up everything, I, I honestly just think he's a key and what he was, was missing, I also, I also had Hutchinson too, he's just his his passion as well is um, they're really missing that
1: it's a good point actually I, I just, I just, the metronome of Hutchinson and Fessy that was kind of the constant kind of beat and would break up the play, would kind of uh, keep the pace up Without them in the side, the pace is just just not not existent. It's so slow. It's so dire. Um, and I, th- I, it's. I mean, I don't know if we'll see Fessy for for a while yet. Any update on the injury, guys? So know what what's happening with him.
3: He's constantly sort of doing some light exercises, wearing Sheffield Wednesday shorts on Instagram. I think that's as much as we know. Usually in warmer climbs than Sheffield as well. I, uh, for, in in seriousness, I think he's expected back sort of January February time into maybe active training. Um, but it was yeah, it was pretty serious knee
0: surgery. He had so I think it's going to be several months here. Yeah. And I will say, Patty, that I made this exact point in the first segment of last week's show that didn't actually record. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you Which did. Which I
3: then debunked for you, Jeff. Yes. so good.
0: Oh, really? or... Well, Andrew, I mean, your part did record, James. I just couldn't use the segment. Right. <laughs> well, well, I... Um,
5: well, well, I guess one more thing. Um, also, I just I just feel like Fessy um he can just he score in a multitude of ways as well he, he can he can now uh, score off the a header he can score off cross he can just make create his own shot as well and he seems to be like the only guy that i can see in this roster who can do that um you know fletcher's Flet- Fletcher only really i like, only can think of maybe one or two times he actually scored a goal with his foot seems like he only score off uh, crosses and it seems like you know everyone else just can't really create their own shot so i don't know
1: yeah, I mean, Wallace used to be good for a good screen every now and again, but he's really kind of lackluster this season, I find. Reach has is, is done all right. Reach has uh, been being being the kind of pacey kind of uh, person that will occasionally break uh, break the defense and beat his man. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Fessy does give a lot of something that uh, not a pl- lot of players can uh, replicate. So
5: yeah, are always going to miss him. Even though he's a drama queen, he's our drama queen.
1: <laughs> yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with uh Yeah.
0: well Andrew I will say that your low expectations when it comes to sports will serve you well in your Wednesday fandom as well your willingness <laughs> to drink heavily on a weekday night there you go and thanks for coming on
5: oh thank you so much <laughs>
0: we have a bit of a surprise. Off of his deathbed, apparently, it's Evan Skilter. What are you talking about, deathbed? Uh, we got a very... No, I thought the you weather-sounding said we were... voicemail message from you. Oh, shit. I thought I deleted that. Um... Hmm. Mm. Very interesting.
2: Yeah, no, no. You could have I, at I least just... claimed
0: a butt dial or something.
2: No, I, mm. I, I uh, I was... Yeah. how you guys doing
0: well it's, it's actually good that you're here because it's time for dispatches for american soccer and we're going to oh. start with the mls eastern conference final which you definitely were not watching i'm sure
2: no yeah much too sick uh no I,
0: I watched it and
2: in fact i i watched it and then felt sick afterward um i i like columbus crew so columbus crew played toronto i don't know how much you guys talked about it earlier but uh you know, I, I am from Ohio. I was a Columbus Crew season ticket holder for a while, yeah. and I won't pretend to like them more than Wednesday or more than Louisville City. But you know, with all the storylines going around with Crew leaving and um, or possibly leaving, and just playing well toward the end of the season, I was definitely rooting for them. I thought that uh, they might get it done, and, and they didn't. Uh, they played pretty poorly against Toronto. Um, some some pretty terrible passes. They had a couple scoring opportunities that. Uh, they just kind of pissed away. And so uh, they lost 1-0, and, and they're they're done for the season. And we'll have to see what happens with the MLS expansion coming up soon. Uh, because if Cincinnati gets a, an MLS team, then I think we're, we'll definitely see Crew leave.
0: Isn't the most recent news that they're going to be allowed to reapply as an expansion team?
2: Yeah, so this is some ugly news because the mayor of,
0: of Columbus
2: met with MLS and Don Garber, the commissioner, and after that meeting, the mayor of Columbus reported that MLS told them that they would reconsider Columbus as an expansion city if they paid MLS $5 million. Five?
1: Well, that's a weird number. I thought it was like $150 million to get
0: a MLS club. Correct. That's so, the expansion fee. This is just to like submit your application.
2: Yeah. So the mayor came out and told everyone that, and MLS was asked, and MLS's statement was we don't have a statement that meeting was private. <laughs> so what a joke of an organization MLS is. Um and they, you know the MLS are the reason that I I left you know I, I wasn't a season ticket holder anymore and the reason I went for a USL team because I cannot stand just MLS as an organization and I I've had some some long chats with Paul about it and i uh, talked in depth with some of you as well uh, there's just so much wrong with MLS that's really hindering US soccer um, in general and it's very frustrating
1: I'd just like to say this is the views of uh, Evan skilleter and it does represent the uh, whole of the Owls Americas, especially one of them that's applied for a job at MLS recently and is still waiting to hear from them
5: thank you <laughs>
0: uh, well other Oops. things well in other things we don't like we head to Hull City this week and James I just take it away oh my god <laughs> not Hull no it's too easy <laughs>
2: The
3: championship is is the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Um, so I'm expecting at you know, least something
0: in here about Flamingo Land. I, I,
3: I'll, I'll get there in a little while. That's too positive. Um, by by way of a few other uh, a few other kind of sights and sounds of the the fair city of Hull. So uh, so we're what eight eight episodes in and. Um, yeah, seven of seven of the eight, if I exclude Bristol, uh, who uh, who obviously have been exonerated after their initial bashing, uh, it, we've had a, a lot of really crap places that we've been playing uh, playing over the last few weeks, and um, Hull is literally the the crap town. Um, so if you if you Google crap towns on uh, on the internet, you'll find out there's actually a regular series of uh, of these type of um, character assassinations of uk towns and cities which is published and in 2003 with first time it was run hull finished number one in the list of worst places in britain so um so it's not starting from a good base but i'm, I'm going to try and be generous this week um hull is also the 2017 uk capital of culture believe it or not so this calendar year which still has a month to run the U- uh, H- the uk decided that hull was the very best that it could offer in, in terms of culture post brexit um, so we can uh, we can celebrate things like uh, Amy Johnson and the uh, the Gypsy moth aircraft, which uh, emanated from Hull, or uh, or Philip Larkin, the famous poet, uh, the Hull Truck Theatre, which apparently is a uh, a, f- a very uh, famous place for uh, for theatre in the UK, um, which I didn't know until I looked it up. Uh, It was also the home of the English Civil War or the birthplace of the English Civil War when uh, some city dignitaries refused entry to the king in uh, in 1642. So so Hull's actually got some some positive things about it. It's got the Humber Bridge um, and that's about it. Um, So the problem with Hull is that it it actually uh, is is pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It faces off into the North Sea. Uh, it's uh, an old fishing port, which, again, like a lot of northern uh, industrial towns, hasn't necessarily replaced fishing with anything else, um, and uh, up until uh, several years ago was renowned for its pong. So uh, so there's kind of a, a bit of a split opinion in the UK in terms of whether Hull really earns that uh, that capital of culture. Uh, the most exciting thing to do in the area, is, uh, as Paddy just referenced, is Flamingoland, which is literally an amusement park based around flamingos, um, which, uh, whole city, I think had that on their shirts. Frighteningly, I think of recently as when we played them at Wembley. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's, it was best described. I'm not going to try and find the quote, but, um, it, uh, it came something along the lines of, um, being, a, a bleak windswept place isolated by vast, vast tracts of flat land and the waste of the North Sea, hemmed in by tiring wind turbines. Um, and, uh, always considered something of a joke about the outside world, which is pretty much how Hull is is perceived in the rest of the country. And as a final point, if anyone ever tries to tell you that it's in Yorkshire, it isn't. It's in Humberside, and for very good reason, because us Yorkshire people do not want to be associated with Hull. Shall I leave it there?
2: Yeah, I'm starting to believe that there is not a single nice city in England.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, rest assured, Evan, next week we have Norwich, so... (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> I suppose we should probably say a few things about Hull City, though. Um, so, uh, you know, Wednesday fans are obviously very familiar with them because of what happened uh, in, uh, in the playoff final, uh, which is actually the last time that we played Hull. So, uh, so I guess Saturday is is something of a grudge match uh, in that respect, maybe more for the fan base. Um, I was going to say for the players, but I'm not sure how much of that, uh, that whole squad that beat us is still intact, with uh, most of it actually having been at Aston Villa, which did seem to um, fire us up a few weeks ago. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, they're having a a, probably a much worse season than we are so far in terms of their performances, obviously coming down from the Premiership. They've lost a lot of players, you know, chaos in the back room uh, in terms of both the ownership structure and management of the club Um, and a series of of pretty dreadful and dire results culminating in a 4-1 defeat by Sheffield United. So they're at least one goal worse off than we are. Um, So it, it perhaps presents an opportunity for Wednesday to, you know, to... To take on a team that's down on their luck and, and do something uh, to try and correct the course of our season, um, which is usually a recipe for disaster for us. So I'd probably better stop talking and let others weigh in at that point.
0: I mean, given our performances at teams at the bottom of the table so far this year, I'm not optimistic. Yeah,
3: I mean,
1: performances <laughs> against teams across the leagues are optimistic. So I don't think you can really say bottom, mid table, or top, we're underperforming or overperforming at the moment. But there's a lot of goals in the whole game. They they concede a lot and they score a few too. So the the least we can hope for is something more entertaining than uh, Saturday's game against Reading. Um, I would take a four three loss at this rate. I think. No, ignore that.
4: I don't want to do that. No, I I hope there is goals because Jeff's organising a shots per shots on target on Saturday, aren't you, Jeff? Yes,
0: going to do something to keep it interesting. Yeah have, family day. Family We're family not day. gonna yeah. serve the children.
1: They going to have shots of milk. We had the worst at family day I think yeah. ever. As a supporters group, this is the New York hours, by the way, guys. Uh the first family day I kicked one the only child up the arse. Uh, <laughs> the last family day we basically depressed all Paul's children. <laughs> it was so bad.
0: So it's only up from here. I'm sure the yeah, free flowing shots of Yeager will, uh, will help matters certainly.
3: Um,
0: I, I,
1: what do you think then for uh, Saturday? Do you think we should uh, get a win? I mean, you'd hope so against someone playing it's, so poor. It's going
0: to be a boring nil nil draw, and I'm going to make Evan do the Twitter for it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, cannot wait!
0: I, don't I, I might stay.
2: I might stay in bed sick that morning.
3: How, how sick, Evan? Can you describe your, your likely symptoms?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, it sounds, sounds
3: familiar. No, we, we we can't we can't set up at home against a you know a team like Hull and and come out with something after the game and say that you know we we tried to contain them for the first half before trying to win it valiantly in the second. We we've got to go out all guns blazing. I mean, it comes back to what I was saying. This, this has to start from the players. I mean that it's going to take something to get the fan base back on side, but, but the, this has to be something akin to the Nottingham Forest game where we absolutely go into onslaught mode for the first 15, 20 minutes. You know, I want to see Hooper back in the starting 11. Um, I want to see us play with you know, with more abandon on the on the wings. I don't expect Carlos to suddenly throw a caution to the wind and allow reach and, and whoever's playing on the, r- the right, probably Wallace, to really, you know, play, play on... Unhindered, but I, I want to see. I want to see us play a pressing game in the first half and and just try and get some positivity going around the ground. Um, you know, when I was at Hillsborough earlier in the season, it was fairly fairly depressing already, and I can only imagine what it's like now after the run of results we've been on. So, I, I think that's almost the only way in which we can set up on Saturday.
1: Who do you think should partner Hooper? Let's go around the table, Jeff. Who do you think should partner Hooper?
0: I would start Fletcher up front. I think the interplay is, there is good. I think we do need his hold-up play to probably unlock a whole team that's going to be going there for a point. Can't Paul,
2: say, I can't believe you didn't say NewHoo.
0: <laughs> Are you shouting
1: out NewHoo as your um, partner for Hooper?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Paul.
4: Me? Uh, I'd probably go with Sam Winnall. <laughs> what have we done? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably, I'd probably stick with Fletcher. I think on reflection of the season so far, you know, best of a bad bunch. I think that Rhodes has just gone AWOL the last uh, like 50 minutes he's been on the field. So I'm back to Fletcher now.
1: Evan?
2: Yeah, I like Fletcher as well. I think they play uh, the best together. Uh, like Jeff said, Fletcher's hold-up play is pretty, pretty good, and if we can get Hooper to drop back just a little bit, um, I'm not saying back into the midfield, but uh, just maybe play behind Fletcher just a bit, I think that uh, they can make some good things happen.
1: Let's for Fletcher. James, are you going to book the trend? <laughs>
3: Probably put the, my paddy hat on and say that no, I think we should uh, absolutely start Jordan Rhodes. Um, yeah, I think I think Fletcher probably for me is you know the best patches of play that we've had this season have typically been where he's been been able to both hold ball up, pull pull defenders, and link play you know in a way that allows then Hooper to get back into the the final phase of the game. But. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been consistent. It's not like much else this season. You know, I, I'm, I'm instinctively going there because everything else isn't working. But at the same time, I, I desperately want to see Jordan Rhodes click, and I want to see him go on a run. And and for that to happen, we have to play a pressing game. So if we're going to play that way around, maybe we do stick with uh, with Rhodes up front, uh, with Fletcher on the bench. But but we've got to bring Hooper back in. I, I still can't fathom why he was dropped to the bench against Reading, um, unless they're you know they're trying to manage an injury and manage his fitness. Uh, it just didn't make any rational sense whatsoever for me to take him out of the team.
1: You know I'm going to say something controversial, and it's not a joke, honestly. I would start Atty New You. Yeah. Because, I mean, Fletcher hasn't scored in a while now, and pretty much every shot he's taken, he's fluffed in the past few games. I appreciate his hold-up play, but Attie can do a hold-up play. And he's got a point to prove. Uh, we haven't tried the Hooper-Niuyu uh, partnership. Um, the way we play football right now, it plays into New Year's strengths in the fact that we just lump it into the fucking box every five minutes. <laughs> Isn't so that an indictment not? of
0: this squad?
1: Yes, it is. It's the biggest indictment you can give him because we're playing terrible football. And as long as we're playing football, which which basically is lumping the ball into the box every opportunity, then New who's a good person to put it in the box. He doesn't move very much. You're not going to find him on the halfway line like Hooper is. He's going to be in the box. He can't
3: move much further than the box in the first place. So just put you New know, Who up front with Hooper and see how that goes. I'll tell you what, Paddy. I may, maybe I've had too much of this flavour gravy. I don't know. But if, if we start <laughs> New Hoop on, uh, on Saturday... We're all we going to be doing well shots it.
0: when the game starts, for starters. We <laughs> can call our
3: season off there and then. I mean, we might as well put Megson in charge for the rest of the season because we'll be back in somewhere in the early 2010s, right? I mean, come on. We've got to be thinking bigger and better than that.
0: So if you, abo- um, if you have a box-to-box midfielder, is New Newell just a box striker? <laughs> <laughs> Don't put him in a box. There's no box big enough.
3: I, I can just about tolerate the idea that you bring him on to lock up a game, but I, I just, I, I just think we're, we're beyond that level now. We, you know, we, we've moved we're on. We're not
2: showing
1: that. We're not showing that. We're showing but, we're, we're not that team anymore. We're, we're just lumping balls into the box, and no one can get. And John and Rhodes misses the header every single game. Uh, admittedly some of them are half chances. But all we're doing is lump it into the box and we haven't got the tallest player on the
3: pitch. So you so- have to change the game plan, not change the change the personnel. You know, we can't say, well, we've got a couple of uh big ugly buggers and we're gonna bring them back in because they suit the way we're playing. We've got to change the way we're playing, you know. You know, wolves aren't running away with this division because they're they're sitting back and trying to contain teams and then sneaking out a one 0 win. They're going hell for leather with, with quality players. We've got quality players. Yeah, this division isn't as hard as we think it is. We've we've just got to unleash the potential and the talent that we've got in this squad. And and frankly that you know that comes down to the way we play, not necessarily going backwards in terms of who we play.
1: Well he's not changing it. I'm I'm i all for Atty, Bring back Atti. See what happens. What else? What have we got to lose? At- it's gonna be an Atty strategy. Patrick now.
3: We're gonna start talking about him like Leon Clark, aren't we? <laughs>
1: hey if Leon Clark can be the top scorer of the championship, Attinie can be second second top scorer. If note. Leon Clark
3: could be top scorer in the championship, there's a good <laughs> advertisement for why we should be playing this squad in a full and a fully potentialised way.
1: Just on just, that uh, note, us, which means he do not stop talking about Nuihu anymore.
0: Do we have any other business? Ati Nuihu, let's start him in the next game.
1: <laughs> other business.
3: I can't goodness. believe that Paddy is cheating on Jordan Rhodes with Adi Nuhu. I mean, this is like two major relationship reveals. All right, fine. In week. We'll talk
0: about the kit discount being extended since I missed <laughs> that in the first segment. Uh, so, if Paddy, if you need a triple XL because the double XL doesn't fit, you can still get it at the uh, advertised price. I don't think so. I think Adi Nuhu took the last one.
4: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that uh, you can't get anything now above an XL. So my my. My double XL that now is uh, wrapped around Paddy's belly. Um, I needed a four XL, it seems, but now they've all sold out. So, wonderful, Sheffield Wednesday. Thank you very much.
3: That was the cynical take on the fact they've extended the discount, right, Paul? I mean, it's it, for whatever the reason, it's a good move, right? I mean, yeah, especially over the Christmas period. And I think, you know, one of the things that was fairly levelled in terms of the kit pricing is you take put this discount in place, so you take it away just as people are getting their paycheck and, and hopefully... You know, going to spend money in the club shop before Christmas on presents for the kids and so on. And um, and that discount is now being continued. And I think it's going to be applied to the mythical third kit when it finally turns up sometime in 2019 as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a good good savvy move by the club. Um, Get New Hugh yeah. 27 on the back of it,
0: whatever number <laughs> he's wearing this year.
3: I thought you meant that was the number of goals he's going to score by yeah, February. Very possible. <laughs>
0: Uh,
2: I've, we- since we're in other business, I have a quick story to tell. Uh, it hasn't been relevant until today, since we've talked about Columbus Crew and uh, Toronto FC. So my, I'll tie it into Sheffield Wednesday as well. So when I was a season ticket holder back in 2015, I was at the Columbus Crew Toronto FC game when it was in Columbus, and this was right after it was the season after Josie came back, Josie Altidore, came back to the United States after leaving Sunderland because he lost his place in the starting 11. And many Wednesdayites will remember that he lost his place in the starting 11 to Connor Wickham, who was called back off loan from us after he scored nine goals in 11 matches or 11 and nine or something like that when he was playing for us. And so uh, I was standing pretty close to the Toronto team While they were warming up and I was I was probably on a couple fireballs and I shouted at Josie and said um, something along the lines of hey Josie Connor Wickham's much better you Premier League wash up or has been or something and normally you don't get a reaction (laughs) out of players but Josie turned around with fire in his eyes and he just said shut the beep up. He was so irritated and irate about that comment. He's uh, such I think a he, child. He's such yeah. a child. Oh, he's terrible. I mean, today, oh, I don't even want to get into it. This is awful. I just threw something thinking about it. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he goes down with an ankle injury and today. Evan, Evan and, was it your pipe, by any chance? Oh, my God. It, it wasn't my pipe, no.
3: Oh, thank uh, goodness for
2: that. Pipes in a Evan's got
3: a pipe. I don't know if everyone's aware of this, but it's, uh, it's a very sort of Sherlock Holmes type sort of thought pipe. Which, uh, which, I think is a beautiful addition, Evan. I'm thinking of you chewing on it now while you tell telling this story.
2: Yes, of course, of course.
3: I feel like uh, Evan is like slowly turning into an old Yorkshireman. It'll
2: <laughs> uh, be stuff next. You don't know what that
3: he's, means. He's abusing me. people at football games. He's splashing endos all over his Thanksgiving dinner. He's chewing on a pipe. Evan, all he needs is a pair of button cap. chops, and he's away.
2: I don't. Oh my gosh! Listen to this. I've asked my wife so many times to pick one up for me. Um, because the reason I, d- I ask her to do it is because I can't wear one of those without her blessing or she will shun me. And so, <laughs> and so I've asked her so many times and, and she keeps saying no. So if any of you can send some tweets her way and just convince her to let me wear a flat cap. Wait, um, she was okay
1: with the pipe, but not okay with the flat cap.
2: Well uh, Yeah, I mean the pipe is kind of on my own time, isn't it? I and, and wear that flat cap when I'm out around her. And so we're going pro- to put, well, we're gonna
3: put out time. an appeal to our, uh, our our listener base then for somebody to send Evan a flat cap for Christmas. And Evan, you've got the great upside here that you can't get food poisoning from this.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. We'll p- post your uh, Amazon wish list on hellsamericas.com.
2: <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: Wait, are we, are
1: we piling on <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: I, I don't feel comfortable with this, guys. <laughs> Well, you should visit owlsamericas.com anyway. You can also email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls AmeriCast, we ask you to rate and review the show that helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line, which is not to be used for calling out from work, at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, what's going to be your first shot this weekend at kickoff?
3: Uh, I think I'm going to have at least two children in my arms, so uh, so I guess I'll, I'll probably be taking one of those shots of milk uh, and then following you to the ginger man later on once I, I find a convenient way to uh, to absent myself.
0: Paul is on Twitter at the Wednesday. Paul, what's going to be your first shot at kickoff?
4: I think I'm thinking about bringing a special blend of Scotch egg, a pork pie, wash it down with a Jagerbomb. That's for my eight-year-old son. I'm going to start him young.
0: <laughs> this. A certain amount of indoctrination does have to happen to the uh, Wednesday I'd experience on game day. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. Evan, I just assume you're having fireball.
2: Yep, there's nothing else.
0: Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones for talking about musical acts that wear skinny jeans and at New York Owls for Wednesday grousing. Patty, where are the meetups this weekend?
1: We are meeting up in New York at Niles on 52nd for the aforementioned uh, Family Day. And in attendance, we have a semi-celebrity. We have Eddie from the Wednesday week and his family are in town. Uh, So come on down and uh, say hello to Eddie. Um, And also, of course, the uh, shots game, which Jeff seems to have uh, introduced today. Um, We're also meeting up in New Orleans at Mimi's in the Merigny. I say that in a questionable way because I haven't got the page up. It is me in the Merigny. Uh, go and see Jamie uh, and the crew down in Nola. Uh, and actually, we also have another um, new New York owl joining us in New York this week, and that is Jamie's cousin. So, hey, Joe. We'll see you Saturday.
0: I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week, assuming we're not all in jail for kicking small children.